Hello, and welcome to Fangraphs Audio, episode 1015. We have a bit of a special show for you today. It's a little bittersweet, as it is the last episode for me, Dylan Higgins, your editor and producer. And as such, Ben Clemens and I got together for my edition of Fangraphs Backstories, and I told him all about my winding path here, as well as my favorite baseball memories. We talked about Moneyball and how I taught English in Korea and how I did heaps of internships along the way, including working with Branch Rickey III in the Pacific Coast League. And we talked a bunch about my time in Australia and how I got to end up getting sticky in a championship celebration. But mostly I talked about how special it was to work here at Fangraphs. I have also often felt in my life like I intentionally want to surround myself with people smarter than me. I really want to be the dumbest person in the room because that's how you learn stuff you know and being surrounded by so many talented people here at Fangraphs has been totally a workplace change and and no disrespect to all the wonderful people I named before that I worked with everybody was (laughs) great you know but like I mean you people are listening you come to Fangraphs it's a little different than a lot of other baseball sites and whatnot and I basked in it. it it's been great hey that's me quoting me But before we get to this chat between myself and Ben Clemens, I must one final time urge you to head on over and check out the Fangraphs.com shop. Not only is there swag and coffee mugs, but you can of course get an ad-free Fangraphs membership, good for yourself or for a friend. It is surely the best way to browse and to support Fangraphs, helping us to do all the cool stuff we do at the website. From the daily articles, to the projections, to the leaderboards, to the roster resource pages, to yes, the podcasts. None of it could be possible without the help of our members. Thank you so much for everything. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to another very special edition of Fangraphs Backstory. Finally, after months of prodding, I would say, I'm joined by Fangraphs Audio impresario Dylan Higgins. Hey, Dylan, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. I'm joining you from Chamonix, France, and you're joining me... From uh, your last week at Fangraphs, I believe. Yeah, yeah. This is my my last show here on Fangraphs Audio, my last week here. So I'm glad to be able to navel gaze and talk about myself for a while with you. Yeah, um, (laughs) as a little bit of backstory, I have been bothering Dylan to come on and talk about his baseball backstory for months because (laughs) it's wild and so you're going to get to hear it. And I knew you'd you'd get it. I also have been on Fangraphs Audio before. I need to check now. Years ago with with Meg Rally, I have been a guest before. More prep I should have done beforehand. Which which episode was that? But if you're looking for all the Dylan Higgins like backstory backstory, it looks like on April twelfth, two thousand nineteen, episode eight fifty eight was Dylan talking to Meg Rally. But I'm Dylan talking to Ben Clemens today, and I'm excited about it. So yeah, Ben, tell me about France. What are you doing in France? I'm here skiing. Uh, well, so right now, no, that'd be that'd be very impressive. And honestly, Sounds not great. very much recently. So, you know, I live in California where it is dumping snow uh, yes. nonstop all winter. Basically, the Sierra Nevada's got more snow last Tuesday than Chamonix has gotten all year. So that may have been a, <laughs> a, a slight error in calculation. My wife and yeah. a friend of ours and I decided to go to Europe because our ski passes cover some like really cool historic ski resorts yeah, and very cool. planned it a while ago, went to Zermatt in Switzerland and now in Chamonix and there's not very much snow. <laughs> there's not very much snow. The skiing is like East Coast in the US right now. What's cool about France when there's not skiing? Are you eating a bunch of food and stuff? Oh yeah, the food's great. The opera scene is incredible, particularly in Switzerland. Like it's just, if you could imagine the ski resort of your dreams, it would sure. be that one. 
minus it would Zermatt. be it would be Swiss in my head. Yes, and it would it would be Zermatt. Like I next time I see you in person, I'll just I can wax on about it for hours. <laughs> Not sure. a very good baseball podcast. <laughs> well, it sounds awesome. So yeah, well, are you going to get more snow before you leave? You hope you're going to get some skiing in. Yes, the last day we're here, it's supposed to snow like four inches. Perfect, wonderful, so, and then back to it. snowy California for you. Indeed, and then Phoenix. Oh, for, uh, the you're get some spring training in. I am. Yeah, I'm going to like the Saber Conference. I'm going to watch a bunch of spring training games. I'm hyped. Heck yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, so that is a, a rough segue, but Dylan, you've done every job like possible in <laughs> baseball, including I think working as a stringer in spring training. I see here in your thoughtfully provided notes. I hope this is a new thing. I did do that once. Yeah, that was fun. But yeah, basically the question that I asked everyone on the show to start is how did you end up at Fangraphs and <laughs> yours is a, a winding road I just have like I'm like do you want to read my LinkedIn you want my resume <laughs> it's just it's just intern hop to intern hop to intern hop which is how I suppose I don't know that I have the traditional sports path I don't know that anybody does I didn't go to school for it or anything but one internship to the next internship to rub an elbows till you end up somewhere yeah I liked baseball as a kid like all of us but Around college, it was Moneyball, right? Moneyball was the thing that ticked that thing in your brain. Oh, like, oh, I can be a nerd and love baseball. And like, they can, they can (laughs) agree. It's okay to be a nerdy baseball fan. You know what I mean? I mean, it was always okay, but you know what I mean? Like, oh, there's something here under the hood that I'm. Yeah, there's more of us. It was that plus fantasy baseball was the handshake. Like, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Like, I played in my first fantasy baseball league in college and was like, oh, I can, I guess, be comp- at the time, like, be competitive about nerdy knowledge and stuff. Not only can I look up all this nerdy stuff, but I can use it to beat my opponents in a game or whatever. And also, yeah. fantasy baseball as a gateway was really cool because all of a sudden I care about players on the, no offense, the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Pittsburgh Pirates or like all these teams I didn't follow as a casual fan because there might be stolen bases there or home runs there you know and now i'm following 30 teams so yeah it is a way to like like all of baseball Moneyball in fantasy baseball and at the time honestly fan graphs was starting up this is late 2000s and i was like want to go read all that nerdy stuff that my league mates weren't reading so i could get the one up on it you know and so yeah, yeah. fantasy baseball was the the gateway drug to being a baseball nut instead of just like a baseball fan as a kid. And then I graduated college and was like, oh, I got to get a job. <laughs> like, what do you want to do? Like, <laughs> wait, I have to pick. It was the same with going to college. Like, I got to figure it out now. I was like, well, I like baseball. You can work in baseball, right? Uh, sort of. Um, <laughs> so I started applying for internships because I didn't want to apply for grad school. And my only one I got was here near my hometown of I'm from an hour outside of Portland, Oregon. So I got hired by the AAA Portland Beavers at the time, who are now the El Paso Chihuahuas, but it was the Padres affiliate. This was 2009. Oh, wow. The the minor league team moved, not just organizations, but like in their entirety. It didn't move orgs. It was Padres and is still Padres. It was AAA Portland Beavers. And it was also at the same time, the Portland Timbers before they were MLS. Like a year oh, or two same before like that. Oh, same ownership? 
Yeah, and as the Timbers moved up to Major League Soccer, they had to find a place for the baseball team, and no one in baseball. Oh. Portland was not ready at the time to host a AAA team, and so the Portland Beavers actually went to Tucson, and for a minute or two, for a few seasons, they were the Tucson Padres. That was a thing. And okay. then they became the El Paso Chihuahuas, which are, they still are. So got it. That's that's oh, right. This was, um, San Diego AAA. Yeah, I believe I if I'm that. wrong on that, I'm sorry, but that's how it used to be. <laughs> but yeah, I did that. And then I also worked for the low A Eugene Emeralds the next summer here in Oregon. And that was just, yeah, internship to internship. So the deal with my first internship was I applied to be a photography intern because I had a camera and kind of knew what I was doing. And they said, you're hired. If you can come do most of the six month season of games and we pay you nothing. And I said, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Great. I'm the team photographer. Super. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 20, 20 London out of college. I was like, great. I would job in sports. And it was, you know, 2009. So it was a great time to get a job out of college. It was, <laughs> it was really super. miserable. I've noticed that uh, <laughs> that is something of a, a theme in these that yeah. you know, Eric and Michael and me and you. <laughs> Yeah, all of I was, close enough to the same age. I was applying to grocery stores. I was applying to Hollywood video, like trying to find a side job to do this. And so I did a few sports internships. And by the next summer, I hadn't gotten a full-time baseball job like I wanted. And that's where the detour was. Uh, I taught English in Korea for a year, which is not really baseball related. But that was my, my sidestep was... Uh, maybe I'm not going to make it in baseball. I was thinking about being a teacher. I'll go make some money because I'm broke and get a job in Korea teaching English, which was really fun. I did it for a calendar year and had a really great time and it was awesome. But I realized while abroad for a year that one, I liked teaching, but did not love teaching. I wasn't going to do it for 30 years. You know, yeah, that's a job that you can't really do if you don't love it. <laughs> I liked it. I could do it a few more years, but I was like, I'm not going to grow old doing this. Like, this is not thing and i missed baseball i missed my baseball internships and that and so i decided i'm gonna take another shot at it and seasonally the way it worked out is because my year of work was ending in the fall and baseball jobs don't start till springtime so you know Mm -hmm. that's part of the problem is if you're internship hopping and you miss the boat in the spring it's a long wait till the next internship batch you know yeah like it's next season and so i had missed I, you know, that's when I went overseas and I came back in the fall and the timing worked to go down under to Australia because their season starts in the fall. And so you could like do it right. then because so, the hemispheres or whatever. Yeah. So in about September or so, I applied and got accepted and I worked for the Perth Heat of the Australian Baseball League. Yeah. And I remember applying and I applied to be in the media department because I wanted to work in baseball and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I certainly didn't have baseball skills and I didn't want to sell tickets. So I was going to work in the media department, which I'd done a little bit in Eugene. And they said, great. Yeah. When you get here, you know, that'll be great. And so I got there and it turned out that I was the media department. <laughs> that they were like, great, Worked you're here. Were. Media stuff sell you. And so I got thrown in the deep end in a way that was really challenging and really tough and just was the experience of five internships. You know what I mean? In terms of like how much could I learn work-wise, industry-wise in one season's time? Like it would have taken me years to get that much responsibility and work. And it kicked my butt, but like 
it was great. You know, like I was the media relations manager for an Australian baseball league team and I should not have been, but like <laughs> did a good job. You know, I mean, who else were they going to pay to do it? It's baseball in Australia. It's very, you know, it's like a lower level league here. Like there's not a lot of money, you know, yeah. uh, it doesn't, you know, but it was, it was fun to do. You do everything. But they write newspaper stories about it. So like you need a media relations person. Yeah, and a lot of my job was that I worked in a sport in a country that did not care about the sport. They care about Australian football and rugby and stuff and cricket, which is all neat. And so we'd go do appearances and stuff, and I would forge relationships with the local media people. And it was just, please mention that baseball exists. Like, will you please <laughs> just write in the paper that there's a thing called baseball? And our team was good. Our team was on fire, and we had, like, some American, like, players over there in the minors so there's reasons to be excited and like the handful of fans we had thought it was really cool and it's like will you please write in the paper that we're like winning all the time and, and they did a little <laughs> bit like that was my job but it was like kind of had you have to write it for them and send them the highlights and send them the clips and all the news and write press releases and maybe they'll pull oh, wow. a snippet from it because well the paper is not going to send you a reporter you know right. it was more like if you give us all the everything we might run a little bit of it and you know that was a peek into how that works and it's probably Probably not how it works stateside. I don't know. It depends yeah. on your team and your media depends market. Team, if you are the Casper Cutthroats. I was in Perth, Western Australia. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Sure. I've got a map here. Perth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew it was... The most isolated city on the planet, by some claims. So, if you're listening, it's a 41-hour drive from Sydney. <laughs> Yeah, my mom would be like, how are you like in Australia? Have you gone to see Sydney? Have you gone? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's 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 this the size of America. It's like being in California and asking if you went and saw Orlando. It's like, mm, I haven't. And so unfortunately, I did not speak, see much of Sydney or the rest of Australia. Perth was very cool. But yeah, by some metrics, based on where you set the threshold for the size of a city, it's the farthest from another city on the planet. Like if it's like a million people or whatever, like nothing's just in the middle of nowhere and we had one day i was cold this this was not fun we didn't do it off it but cold calling schools to see if they wanted to send their kids to a baseball game for free hey we'll let a bus <laughs> of kids in for free have you heard of baseball bring them and i was calling schools in the newspaper in our province state i think it's a state state of western australia and i called so western australia is the one on the far west away from everything which includes turns out like the islands in the Pacific? No, that's yeah. the Indian Ocean. Pardon me. Um, oh, yeah. Other side. And I called some lady and was like, hi, have you heard of baseball? She's like works in the office of a school. And she's like, sure. I'm like, well, we're here in Perth and we have a field and a team. And we'd love if you want to bring your kids to the game. And she was like, yeah, I'm at this school, the name of this or whatever. I'm like, yeah, you can tell I'm foreign. I don't know where that is. She's like, look at your map. We're over here in the ocean, like on this island, like out here, like we're not driving to Perth. I was like, oh, no, you're not. Sorry. Oh, my Thanks. God. <laughs> Sorry for bothering you. She's like, yeah, no problem. So uh, Western Australia is huge. Giant. And there's nothing out there. Perth is a very cool city. And it is a real city. And there's a lot going on. And it's just drive two hours in any direction. And there's nothing. So, you know, I was joking about uh, it's 41 hours to Sydney. If you wanted to drive to the Ord River Nature Reserve in northern Western Australia, that's a <laughs> yeah. 35 hour drive. <laughs> yeah. It's all mining. Is my understanding. It's all uh, like it's it's industrial stuff out there and sand. But yeah, and there's yeah, one big old highway across, but like only truckers, you know, it's Mad Max stuff. <laughs> but that's not what Perth was like. Perth was a very cool city. So you lived there 
in Perth to do this media relations job. That's pretty cool. I mean, already that's a pretty great baseball experience. Yeah, and it was, it was like I said, it was challenging. I joked that, like, would I do that specific internship again? Like, no, it was really hard. But, like, that was great when I was, I was like, 22, you know, 23, yeah. and here's a ton of responsibility. And I really liked it. And, like, there's this thing about working in sports where we do at our computer, like, there's pressure, and, oh, news happens, and you got to write an article or whatever. But working for an actual team during game time and like knowing that the gates open at six and first pitches at seven oh eight or whatever and like all the stuff you got to do for a game and running around a concourse and stuff is just it's very high pressure but i functioned well at it like i it's fun i've done some event work similarly and it can be really neat and <laughs> this is a weird thing where you know that in that one hour between before first pitch that you have about three hours of work to do in that one hour <laughs> but <laughs> you can't do any of it until the gates open. So like, it'll be like noon on game day and you're like, I got three hours of work tonight to do between six and seven. And I've pre-done as much as I can, but like, I won't know how to do this till lineups are posted. I won't know how to do that till this and that. And like, it's a super high pressure and it's fun, but yeah, we're working, uh, working for a baseball team was fun. And after that, I came back and I, so I ended my season in the spring and actually I have a story for this that'll uh, line up into my baseball story memory later but I started applying for all these jobs in the in the spring to come back stateside and hey yeah. now I have an even better job on my resume so this will help versus last time I tried yeah. and I got interviewed to work in the Pacific Coast League league office in Round Rock, Texas. And they said, when can you be here? And I said, hey, our team is number one seed and we're going to the playoffs in February. Like, And I'm the media guy while our team tries to win a championship. I can't bail until right. the season's over. I'm sorry. And I yeah, get that- home for like a week first and then get there. And they said, ah, that's really hard. We need somebody by this time. With all due respect, handshake, like we got to go with someone else. And I said, hey, I totally got that. And then... Playoffs happened. We can talk about it. And then about a month, I got home. I was on my mom's couch. I didn't have a job and was kind of worried about what I was going to do. And they called me back and said, hey, that guy that we offered the job to got offered a job for the Tampa Bay Rays. So he ditched us. You still looking for a job? And I said, yeah, actually. And they said, great. How soon can you be in Texas? And so I (laughs) moved to Texas in two weeks pretty spontaneously. And that was one of the many times I thought my baseball career was over. But continued on i went down to round rock texas and i worked in the the league office for the pacific coast league and a minor league league office has only a couple people in it even at the top like like and it's weird to think about like all these leagues have well like maybe not anymore but most of them have league offices like you know all the teams have offices but like right you know, think of like the Eastern League or whatever the minor leagues are called now. They're all run by somebody, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. Because someone has to cover the schedule and and, and what it turned out to be in the Pacific in, in the Pacific Coast League's one of the biggest ones. It's AAA and it's been around for 100 years. And yeah. has a ton of history. I mean, arguably the biggest. Yeah. It, in the it and our, our the International League at the time was the other AAA is who we shook hands with, you know. But um, most of the work was with umpires. They're scheduling oh. and stuff. And. and and disciplinary work we'd get have to read the umpire report. <laughs> just remembered this you'd get written umpire reports about why they have to eject somebody right <laughs> they have to file they have to file paperwork every time they eject somebody and like levy fines and we'd do the fine work and be like oh yeah the guy it's triple a so they pay 500 bucks or whatever i don't know but 
<laughs> and sometimes you have corroborating umpire reports. So the two umpires got to write all the names that the baseball player called them and why they had to kick them out for it in plain text. <laughs> so me and my boss, so funny, a day later in text and email. It's probably not funny at the time, but in an email right. a day later, it was totally funny. Uh, be like, yeah, that's a fine. You can't say that, but LOL. Um, but the other thing was working with umpires and because they all come through because the Round Rock Express was our local team. So we'd see people mm-hmm. as they came through. And I learned and grew a bunch of empathy for umpires doing that job. Mostly, it's such a hard job. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And not only is it such a hard job, but it's such a hard minor league job. Oh, my God. Being a minor league baseball player sucks. And being a minor league umpire sucks worse. Oh, my God. And the thing that I didn't realize and I have remembered since was that if I'm a 25-year-old shortstop or catcher and the org decides I'm not going to make it, that mm-hmm. I'm flaming out at double A AA or triple A, they might tell you that. They might come up to you and go, hey, we think you're a farmhand, you know, but if you'd like to make the triple A minimum, we'll keep paying you to be right. in the system, right? Sure. Like, yeah. you can have a job playing minor league baseball and it probably beats other jobs, but, you know. They don't do that for umpires. They come up to an umpire and they go, hey, you're never going to make it. You're fired. Ooh. And you go, oh, can I just go do the lower league? They go, no. Like, we got to put other people through here that might make it one day. Like, oh, they wow. only have one system. They don't have a farm system of um. They do, but it's small. It's one org's worth, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, and this is all, pardon, I should preface. This is anecdotal almost 15 years ago. So if this has changed. Please do not hold right. me to this. But my remembering of this was just these umpires going like, yeah, you know, I'm 28 and I have a wife and like my career can be over tomorrow because there's not another place to go umpire like NCAA. Sure, whatever. But like, not really, you know? Yeah. And we'll just call you and go, hey, we don't think you're going to make the majors one day. You're cut. Have a nice life. Ooh, that's rough. That's awful. <laughs> like, um, and like I said, it kind of happens to minor leaguers, too, but they kind of have somewhere, you know. Yeah, and all that time on the bus and everything. And and also, like, like this is bad, but the shape of the payout is different if you beat the odds. In terms of being a major league union umpire? Versus or being you... a major league player. Oh, certainly. Yeah, and I'm as frustrated as everyone with some of the major league umpires that seem to consistently be bad but have a job anyway forever. But the union's real strong for a reason because it was hard to get there, you know? Yeah. And once they're there, you know, so... I don't know. I've never been an umpire. Again, I can't super speak to it, but that was my experience of like having lunch with umpires sometimes that summer and like meeting some people is like, this is a tough path, man. <laughs> that's, that's gnarly. Yeah. Good luck to you. You have to love it. You, know? you have to really love it. Just like the players, like the umpires are not out there for the paycheck. They're not out there for the benefits. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. they really love it and want to do it too. It's hard, especially minor leagues. So yeah. So I, I worked that. I worked nine to five in the Pacific Coast League and that was Fun, but it was a desk job. But the coolest part of that summer and doing that was I worked in that office. There's only two or three people. And the commissioner of the league was Branch Rickey III. So I spent yeah, the awesome. summer hanging out with Branch Rickey. Yeah. And he was like hanging out with your jolly grandpa. He was wonderful. <laughs> he was uh, at this point in his career. I should check. I, he might still be the Pacific Coast League commissioner. But at this point in his career, he was looking to spend some time with his grandkids. You know, and like he had worked for the Pirates and worked for the Reds and was still working at the Pacific Coast League, but was like commissioner of a minor league was a lot slower in a good way, you know. So, yeah, 
That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it was great. It was awesome. You know, what an amazing experience I'll remember forever. I would just, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, he imparted all this amazing baseball wisdom. I mean, he did a bit, but like he was just a jolly, jolly grandpa is the way I'm going to describe Branch Ricky the third. And, you know, very good at his job and whatnot. But that was a cool boss to have for a summer for sure. Yeah, it appears that he was the final commissioner of the PCL. That's probably true, unfortunately, with how minor leagues went. But yeah, no, he was he was great. Everybody I worked with was there was great. And then seasonally, I hopped to the Arizona Fall League from there, you know, which is great. And I ended up doing that three summers. That was 2012, 13, and 14. And the Arizona Fall League is awesome. And working in it is really cool. You know, the downside is it's seasonal. But yeah, I like that. And it's a... It's really easy to meet everyone in baseball because they all come to the fall league, you know, and that's what they pitch you as interns. Is like if you want to make connections, which you do, like they're all coming through Arizona right now, you know. So I worked yeah. as a media intern there for three years, which was really cool. And yeah, made a lot of connections. Yeah, the fall league is awesome. Like just one of my favorite parts of baseball. It's very cool. And the weather's perfect. If you got to go to Arizona, going in the October is pretty OK. Yeah. yeah. And and I guess the end of this long winded story of how I ended up here but well, before <laughs> it's always all messy. And the beginning at the end. I was I was working as a stringer. I went back to Arizona. I was in Maryvale doing Brewers games, and I saw online a MLB.com was hiring a fantasy writer, and a thing clicked in my head. I at the time was like, I love Matthew Barry and all these other fantasy sports people I follow. Yeah. and I just clicked in my head. I was like, that can be a job. Yeah, and, like I play fantasy sports. You can get paid to do that. Like what? Like I had yeah, this not is during the, in my head. the explosion of, in a press of fantasy writing, right? <laughs> yeah, and I had been following and consuming it this whole time. I love fantasy, and I was following baseball, and I was working in media because I was like, "This is just a way to work in baseball." You know, I was solid at it, but I didn't really know what I really wanted to do. And wait, you can you can write on ba- fantasy, and so <laughs> I applied, and I was sitting next to. I don't think he remembers me, but I've told him this before. Adam McAlvey is the Brewers reporter for MLB.com. And mm-hmm. I was sitting next to him in the press box because when you sit in his press box for a while, you get to know everybody. And I was still kind of the quiet intern guy that didn't know anybody. But I was like, hey, you work at MLB.com. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm applying for this job right here at MLB.com. Can you help me? And he's like, <laughs> I can get it looked at. And he like pulled out his phone and called the guy and was like, what's your name? I'm like, this get this resume looked at. Wow. And that's not how I got the job. That's how I got the interview like this. Yeah. You know, and the, the if I'm imparting lessons to all of this, like it's all connections and it's, it's the same awful story of like networking and connections and stuff. And that doesn't mean you have to go kiss everybody's butt and rub all the elbows like you still have to do the job, you know, and like right. get at it and pass the interviews and stuff and be ready for the opportunity. But you also got to be sitting in a press box next to somebody that you ask for help. You yeah. Know? And like I said, he. Adam McGalvey, bless him, if you're listening, you know, I don't think he remembers this. There's no way he remembers this. I saw him at a at a, a winter meetings years later and told him and he was like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And I was like, OK, well, <laughs> you made my career. But thanks, man. He half made my career again. I did all these internships before that. But yeah, I worked at MLB.com for five career. years. Yeah, it, it takes it takes a village. But I worked at MLB.com in the fantasy department, which does exist. It turns out most people don't realize that it was TV. <laughs> Writing those little fantasy notes like Albert Pujols went two for four with a home run and a walk or whatever. I did that for years. And then I worked at Pipeline for three years with the wonderful Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis and those folks. 
yeah being an editorial producer doing internet stuff and one day i was looking for a job change and i as we've found out many people do this i messaged eno saris i was like hey <laughs> fan graphs need any help because i'm looking for a change and it turned out that carson sestuli had had a child and could absolutely use some help and okay you know <laughs> yeah got my foot in the door there and since i've been here was how can i help can i help with this can i help with that what can i help with you know and yeah. been professionally helpful for ever since for about five years ago. So that was my long-winded walk through my resume, Ben. It's pretty delightful. I'm at least like 20% of the reason I wanted to do this whole series is because I've heard a bunch of little snippets of it and hearing sure. it all together is just making me smile. I'm sure. lying on my bed here in my European Airbnb and just grinning. It's definitely a little like, I know I want to work in baseball. I know I like working around baseball people. I Definitely like working around fan graphs people. That was a like finding my people like working in baseball was really cool all this time. But there was always a little bit of again, back to that start. Like I was the nerdy dude everywhere I worked, you know, like yeah. I was the one arguing with my coworkers about clutch. I was probably obnoxious, but that was the time, you know, <laughs> in the in the Australian Baseball League being like clutch isn't a thing. Can we stop? You know, and my coworkers are like, whatever, you know. <laughs> and so ending up at fan graphs just feels like I found my table at the cafeteria i'm like okay like great i've also often felt in my life like i intentionally want to surround myself with people smarter than me i really want to be the dumbest person in the room because that's how you learn stuff you know and being surrounded by so many talented people here at fangraphs has been totally a workplace change and and no disrespect to all the wonderful people I named (laughs) before that I worked with everybody was great you know but like I mean you people are listening you come to fan graphs it's a little different than a lot of other baseball sites and whatnot and I basked in it It, it, it's been great yeah yeah but but done done a lot of weird stuff along the way and it was a lot of just I don't know what's as you heard a lot of it is just what starts in the next few months right you know where is there an internship that will hire me to do stuff because otherwise I'm sitting around. So I have a few things to uh to mention to you before I ask you about your favorite baseball memory. Um sure. one, another famous commissioner of the Pacific Coast League, one who tried to get it made a major league, was named Pants Roland. That's a great oh. name. Yeah, what, I like that. What year did Pants Roland <laughs> commissioner of the Pacific Coast League? Uh in the forties and fifties. Sounds so right. yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if it was the most notable major league, and I think it was. I think it so. voted to become a major league in 1945, and it's ancient, right? Like a hundred years old. Can you see right there when it started? Yes, formation 1902. Yeah, exactly. Wow, uh, that's a uh, yeah. that's wild. <laughs> it was a cool league, and it had a bunch of cool old history and stuff. And it was a the yeah. league office was just a little like industrial park office. There were literally three people and me, the intern. Like it's kind of funny that it's in Texas, like. Pacific Coast League. And I believe it moved around. At the time uh, I was there, it was in Round Rock, Texas. And it was, I think, always in the same town as one of the teams in the league. So that, like, when somebody came around, like I said, like, umpires were, when they'd work a Round Rock game, the crew would come through. They're also in the hometown. So we could, like, talk to them or see them or whatever. Or, like, if we needed to go see players or coaches, see them when they're coming through Round Rock. So I think it had before been in Colorado Springs, question mark? is where the Pacific Coast League had been. I think it had moved around, is my point, is that the league office was just, you know, where they did the paperwork. What, like, one of the three people was an accountant. It wasn't uh, a big, bustling 
And I, yeah. my job as intern was to answer the phone and when people walked in the door. But the only guy that walked in the door was the UPS guy. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and you knew him, yeah. But, so that was my last nine to five. That was like the slowest baseball job I had, and which had its pros and cons. You know, I sat at a desk nine to five, and I didn't have to do that game day rush. You know? Yeah. It was different. Probably had a nice lunch. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know that much about Round Rock. <laughs> it, was, it was suburban. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Fair enough. Do you ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I read it once uh, in college. I just remember that, like, the fifth, the fourth book would be called, like, the inact, you know, the fourth book in the inaccurately named Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Sure. The fifth would be, like, the increasingly inaccurately named trilogy. The sixth, increasingly <laughs> yeah. inaccurately named. That's how I feel about the Pacific Coast League. I just, oh, like, it just unwinds over time as MLB, yeah. <laughs> like, monkeys with it. <laughs> like, these teams aren't actually on the Pacific Coast that much anymore. No. And they haven't been for quite some time. I don't even know if that was MLB so much as the league. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, it just grew and it kind of came over. And by that time, it was Pacific Coast League was the West half and the International League was the East half. And it was all AAA. Right. And then technically, technically, the Mexican League is also AAA. And you're like, cool. Does that mean they play each other? No. Are they affiliated? (laughs) No. What is Why does it mean that they're AAA? Nothing. Doesn't mean anything. Like, there's this weird... I remember now, AAA is this mm-hmm. weird like collection and group that isn't a thing. We're like, we three leagues are AAA baseball. And you're like, cool, what does that mean? They're like, nothing. You're like, is that, is there an office for AAA baseball? No. You're like, okay, so what is this entity? Like, I don't know. It was weird. And it's all been moved around so much. Okay, so last question before we get to your favorite baseball memory. How do you fly to Perth? Uh, like, a lot of transfers? Uh, I want to say Seattle or Los Angeles, maybe Vancouver to it's got to be Sydney could have been Melbourne or something and then over. Got it. But yeah, it's long. That's a lot. Yeah. Trying to remember what I I don't have any memories from the flight. I'm sure I slept a lot and watched a lot of movies. And I remember I remember having a layover in Sydney or wherever it was on the East Coast for like two hours enough to walk the airport and be like i kind of saw it you know like not really yeah Uh, it's long is the short answer it seems long yeah so that back in perth i have like a the final question of this episode which i think will last us a while though like what is your favorite baseball memory and how does it have to do with perth so i told you my favorite baseball memories about perth i have a i have a side one an honorable mention that will get out of the way that when i in yeah 2008 or so my dad and i went to fenway park and it's just sappy i got to go to fenway park with my dad we're from the pacific northwest so getting to go to the east coast and see that together was cool and he's not a huge red sox fan but we around that time you know i got into the red sox in the early 2000s and it was cool to go to fenway park with my dad so i'll remember that forever but the more exciting one to talk about and it wasn't even like a fancy game i don't remember anything about the game so but the (laughs) the fun memory wasn't that's fun that's fun to be there in person yeah, Fenway Park was cool. I'm glad I went to see it. I got to go see it again. But um, at the end of my Perth season, our team was hot. We were like 31 and 14 or something like or 31 and 11. I don't, we were good. We were the number one seed by a mile. And so when the Pacific Coast League was like, hey, can you ditch and come start this internship? I was like, I have a good idea. We might win this thing. Like, <laughs> you know, if we were in last place, I might have ditched. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. I was like, we're going. We're like, a f- we're like two weeks left of the season. We're going. And 
we were talking before we recorded because I was trying to find the box scores to get my story right because it might not be exact. But what I did remember specifically was it being we made it to the finals and we were hosting the finals and it was a best of three because it's Australia. And we walked off. I'm now reading a recap to my memory isn't this good. But we won on a wild pitch in the bottom of the 13th inning, which had to have put it pretty late at night. I remember us all being pretty tired and it being <laughs> late and tense. And because it's game three, each team is in a best of three. This was going to decide it all. Right. And yeah. there was also this like air around of like we knew we were going to win. We had been the best team all season. We like kicked butt in the first round. It was this weird like. We expect to win, and if we lose, it's gonna, you know, like we're the we're the favorites, you know. And so when it got to game three, we didn't sweep it, and all of a sudden it's going into extra. It's like, oh, we could lose this. Yeah, like, we really taken for granted. Like we're the better team, and all of a sudden it's like, no, you're a run from like being the loser. Dylan, did you know? Did you know that pitcher of the year finalist, pitcher of the year finalist Jeff Brown, lasted only one point two innings and surrendered five earned runs? That has uh, left my memory, but it was it was. It was surprising. We were ready to be stunned, and it went to 13th inning and ended up winning on a walk-off wild pitch, which is, I guess, anticlimactic, but it was tense. I remember being in that dugout, and <laughs> they went nuts, and that is... Oh, I should have found some pictures. Maybe I'll find some pictures before publish time, but I got to... As the media guy with some photography experience, I was in that champagne shower in that locker room with the camera. Amazing. <laughs> and that's the only time I've ever gotten to do that, is be... Oh, sticky, and it was loud, and I covered my camera best. Like, I haven't looked at those pictures in a long time. I'll I'll dig those out, and those will come out with a story. But I got to be in a champagne shower, and I'm looking at the picture. I'm not in these pictures, but the team picture. We have the Claxon Shield, which is basically the Australian Baseball League Stanley Cup. It's huge. It's large, and every time a team wins, they put another little thing on it that's like, you know, a little mini plaque i guess it's round and it has a the name and the year and whatnot and the australian baseball league's pretty old it just keeps dying and coming back but it has like a long rich history they've been playing baseball there for a long time just not super popular mm-hmm. so it they keep adding layers to the shield the shield gets bigger was they run out of places to put on it they just add like another layer underneath it like with a rim so yeah like the center ring of it is how big it used to be and then they added another oh, one wow. around it it's much bigger than that now I don't know yeah. about now, but I can see it be, like yeah. on, or in this picture. Yeah. Yeah. And so Claxton Shield was very cool. And it was one of those things as a sports intern, especially in Australia, where it's like so our team had won it the year before. Also, this was a repeat, but I wasn't there. So we had it all year, which means based on events and what we were doing, it's been a fair amount of time in my trunk. <laughs> I, <think> I drove <laughs> around Australia with the Claxton Shield a lot. I've held it a lot. I know that thing. Great. It's, you know, pick it up. Don't ding it. Don't drop it. Like it's wood. Like it's heavy. I carried that thing around for a while. Yeah. So I got friends with the Claxon Shield and we got to put our our name on it at the end. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't swing a bat. I didn't throw a ball. I didn't win a championship. But when you work in baseball, like that's as close as you can get. Right. Like I was in the champagne. That's why people work for teams. Yeah. And after that, I got the bug, and or maybe even before that, I was for a while there. My career goal was I'm going to win a World Series ring. Like I don't know how, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might be taking pictures, but like I want to be part of a baseball team that goes to do this. You know, I remember like I talked about how I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I'm working in the media department, but really just as an excuse to hang out. 
which is kind of why I became a podcast editor. I was like, do I get to hang out with these cool people making this cool stuff? I'll edit the podcast if I get to do that, you know? And then, whoops, turns out it's a job. But, like, sure, I get to hang out at Fangraphs and do stuff. I remember before our playoffs at in the Australian League, and I really wanted to help our team, I was feeling all this team spirit, that I went and I looked up all our game day records from the Australian Leagues, because it's like 50 games a season. And I went and I hand-plotted spray charts based off of the game day stringing, which was all estimates on its own, because it's somebody in a hut. We didn't have TrackMan, obviously. You know, somebody just kind of hand-charting it. But I, for our opponent, we had like a playoff opponent. And I was like, let's go look at their like one through nine. And like some of them, especially in Australian League, are like pure pull hitters and stuff, you know. But I remember preparing all that and bringing it to our coach and being like, Mm -hmm. I did research. I'm, (laughs) again, the nerd here that's like, I did. And (laughs) our coach being like, yeah, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, and part of me is like, but I did all this research. And to his credit, I'm sure he was like, I've forgotten more baseball than you'll ever. And I don't think yeah. he was wrong. You know, I was like, I think I figured this stuff out. And I think he was probably like, yeah, I can look at that number three hitter and see that he's a pole hitter, dude. Like, right. I know. Like, he's just, he was a baseball man and he was, he was nice. He was great. I'm not, you know, saying bad things, but I just remember being like, I'm 22 and I'm getting my foot into baseball science. And they're like, that's nice. Uh, but <laughs> it was fun. The, the plot hits and try to help. And so when they won a ring, again, I didn't do it, but I def- I have my ring. Have you seen my ring? I have one. No, I have not. I would wear to the winter meetings because when are you ever going to wear it? Yeah. As a conversation starter, I have a Australian Baseball League Perth Heat Championship ring that in true Australian Baseball League fashion, I paid for myself. But uh, <laughs> I will have to have it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't gonna. You know, I'll buy it. I'll take one. So yeah, that's maybe my uh, my that's my favorite baseball memory is that walk off and celebration. And I suppose that object is probably my favorite baseball item. Owning a ring has my name engraved on it. So pretty cool. You know, one person whose favorite baseball memory is probably not that game. A losing pitcher, <laughs> Bubby Buzacero. Yeah, Man. Bubby Buzacero. I remember that name. He, yeah. There's some names on these rosters, too. He threw 49 pitches in three and a third scoreless innings in game two of the championship okay. series to and keep the... Uh, brought in in relief and extras of the do or die. To keep Melbourne... Uh, extras. <laughs> he pitched eight innings. Eight in innings. game two or in game three? No, in game three, after pitching three and a third in, uh, in game two. 115 and he gave pitches. Up what, one, two? He gave up two runs. Uh, four hits and two runs, struck out seven in a just heroic relief appearance. Like Nathan Yavaldi, and his <laughs> and his team team couldn't bail him out. And his team yeah. did not bail him out. He came in in That's relief rough. of. There's a lot of great names. Oh yeah, yeah. He oh, came yeah. in in relief of Jeff Jamnick. Okay, but alas, was for naught. And Virgil Vasquez was named the series MVP. I remember Virgil Vasquez also because he was he came in partway through our season. He was not Australian. A lot of this stuff was just like, they just got to find a guy. And a lot of baseball world is just like, I know a guy who knows a guy. Right. And somebody knew a guy who was in, in, we needed a pitcher, and he was in Indie League. He was an Indie pitcher over here. And I think if you look, he had like pitch single A or double A. A lot of these guys were affiliate guys that flamed out, you know. Mm-hmm. And he and came over from, 
Totally. If you can get paid to go to Australia and play baseball, I don't know yeah. what they paid him, but I'm sure he was like, will you cover tickets and give me a place to sleep? I'll come pitch, you know, like yeah. and Virgil was he rem- he was a little and remember this like a decade ago. He was a little hippie ish and he wasn't like long hair, whatever. He was just kind of like he was doing yoga a lot and just real, <laughs> like aloof and like and like he was great. I really liked him. But a lot of people were like, he's really laid back, you know. Um, and I it really got the impression he's like, I can go to Australia and play baseball. Great. And he threw a cutter and it was pretty good. And, you know, he did real well there. And he was a yeah. great addition. Great guy. Cutters then especially were like, what? Yeah. Like, how does that yeah. pitch me? And it's the kind of thing that, you know, will get you through double A or the Australian League. Because a lot of these guys work at Home Depot on the weekday. So, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. We were talking before uh, before we went on. Michael Givens was on this team, too. Yeah, it's a weird mix because you have a lot of, I mean, they're all talented, but a lot of them are just Australian dudes who love baseball, but also have a day job, you know, and a lot of them are prospects who get sent over kind of like the fall league to get more reps and more time. So the Orioles had their second rounder, Michael Givens, and he was our shortstop and the Orioles had kind of a relationship with Perth and sent a few Mm -hmm. prospects, but they were like, hey, we're sending you our second rounder to see if he can play shortstop. And we knew at the time that if he can't play a shortstop, he can throw in the high 90s. So he had that route. And spoiler, that ended up being the route for Michael Givens later is to become a pitcher. But yeah, he was our shortstop. Um, and he was a nice guy. Yeah, you wouldn't have known it from this game, though, because he had four hits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And our big name that we had when he was healthy and around, our big local hero was Luke Hughes. And Luke Hughes is like the Perth baseball hero because he actually made the majors and hit home runs and like was a regular for a bit. And he was from Perth and was the nicest guy. And when he would come back and play, you know, he he was he was the big bat. So, yeah, this is both a great like remember some guys. I don't remember any of these guys except for Givens, but it's a great hear some guys names and also here you remember some guys this sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, look, like you said, would you do it again? Maybe. But uh Pretty good memories. Yeah, and a great internship of just, you know, sports internships. You're, you're supposed to be hungry. You're supposed to be tired. You know, I was, yeah. you know, like I said, I was like 23. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be tough now, but I, boy, did I learn a lot and came out of that prepared to do, prepared to work for a baseball team, you know, because I did, yeah. I did, I did a lot. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a good memory and definitely a good, you know, baseball memory in terms of winning a championship and all, all that champagne. <laughs> I got to go find those pictures. I'll make sure to share them. But yeah. Yeah. Australia was good. Ah, well, that is a delight, Dylan. I had, I had never heard the story before, and I'm really glad that I have. Well, sure. I'm happy to share it. I hope not too much of that overlapped with my 2019 episode with Meg, but that's okay. I think every four years I can come on here and talk about yeah, myself. That's... That is fair. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't exactly say that i'll be here in four years but uh, assuming i am open invitation yeah yeah we'll just you and i will come back in four years we'll just <laughs> do drop in an episode here takeover well me. i really hope that uh if we're actually going to do takeovers i hope that at some point before then carson and dane do one i <laughs> yes uh i would love that too that happened last uh at the start of 2020 i believe and i loved it and so all we need is for a you know cataclysmic world event again and maybe <laughs> carson sestuli will grant us with his presence oh. very busy i'm sure but yes uh let's see if we can knock on that door just just a global pandemic or two might bring him back please carson please the world's ending we need you to distract <laughs> us yeah uh, uh, 
I don't really know how to end this. It's, uh, I will be, I'll be very sad not to have you in my ears nearly weekly. I mean, maybe we will still talk and be friends and we do lots sure. of stuff, but sure. I, it was a nice, uh, like thing to have that every week I was like, Oh, let's, let's look someone up or like, let's talk about baseball. And Dylan will be sure. there basically fixing all the mistakes that I make. <laughs> well, sure. Well, admittedly, uh, we are unsure what exactly is happening with Fangraphs Audio next, but it'll be something. Yeah. And yeah, it's been absolutely a, a pleasure these last couple of years. It was late 2020 that I took over Fangraphs Audio and kind of repurposed it to star Fangraphs, to not star me, but to star everybody. And they say, hey, everybody put a hand on the ball and we get to a platform wonderful voices like ben clemens and everybody else you've been hearing weekly including david lorla but yeah i i'm i'm excited to see where it goes and for ben to still be on here and have his mistakes cleaned up and whatnot i don't know it's very bittersweet to be moving on but i can easily say it's the best place i've ever worked and the best people i've worked with i'm not saying that to be polite and present company it's true this is like i said this is my cafeteria table I, I've found these folks, they're all as wonderful as you imagine they are, if you're listening, if you've been following these people. You meet them and get to know them, and they're who you think they are. They're, they just know, there's no meet your heroes downside to any of it. Everybody's wonderful. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm as, as pro-Fangraphs as ever. <laughs> A final note, Dylan says that he let Fangraphs be the star, but people don't see that the behind-the-scenes work of doing this is not always easy, and there's a lot of uh, cat wrangling. And trying to convince a bunch of people who, like, one of the defining features of their job is that they can work whenever they want to. That, like, no, like, we, we need to talk. And but like, we still well, have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you can work whenever you want to, but you do have to. And, like, that means picking a time. Yeah. No, it, it's been great. Yeah. I don't know what to say aside from it's been a blast working with you. And I'm, I'm sad that it's over. Uh, although, again, like, that doesn't mean that we are all dead to each other now. But sure. I'm... Yeah, man, this is getting maudlin. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm very reachable. We can wrap up. But uh, yeah, thanks for everybody that's been listening and to uh, keep listening. Yeah. And yeah, I- I'm on Twitter at DH Higgins as long as it still exists. People don't, <laughs> you can tweet at me about the show. You can tweet at me about Australia. You can tweet at me. I'm reachable. I'm around. I'm findable. But uh, yeah. I think that should do it for us, Ben. Thanks for taking the time from France to <sighs> talk to me about Australia. FGI, Fangraphs International. <laughs> Basically, that's what we're doing. All right. Thanks, Ben. Have, a, have yeah. a good rest of your trip. Yeah. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you for doing this. And thanks for chatting with me. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Thank you to Ben Clemens for taking the time to join me from France. And thank you for listening, this time and every time. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor having the privilege to help platform these great voices and bring them to your ears every week. I'm a fan just like you, and soon I'll be a fellow Fangraphs ad-free membership subscriber like you as well. After you and I have moseyed on over to the Fangraphs.com shop to pick up our subscriptions to support the site and the podcast, don't forget to also sign up for the Fangraphs newsletter. It's free in your inbox and is the best way to keep up on everything going on at the website, which is a lot. That should do it for us this week, and for me. Don't be a stranger, be excellent to each other, and we'll talk to you soon.